Well, God is good. Amen. So glad to see you all today. I'm so glad that you made it. You know, I've noticed in here, it sounds, what it reminds me of, uh, you know, you start hearing the little, this time of year, we start hearing the little hacks and the coughs and the different things, you know, and, you know, people are trading, uh, trading their, their, their hacks and their coughs back and forth. Uh, glory to God. Uh, what it reminds me of is Ned, Nostr Ned Nostril. You all remember Ned Nostril? Ned Nostril and the South Seas Paradise. Put your blues in a nice cheap at twice the price band. Icky, icky, icky. Uh, of course, it was a, nobody knows. And that's okay that you don't know. But Ned Nostril was a, it was a, it was a joke. It was a, a one of, another one of those parody songs that was uh, about this band that uh, the, the way they got popular was by, uh, by, by getting their allergies on high alert. So they sniffed wet ragweed and did all these other things until their allergies were streaming. And then they had this band and they, they made this awful noise together and, and apparently it got... Yeah, it's another Ray Stevens song. I'll help you with that, but praise the Lord. But uh, yeah, when, you know, this time of year, it's like always, always comical around here because uh, like, you know, it's like you start getting the, the symptoms and stuff. And of course, we believe God is our healer. Uh, I know that God is my healer, praise the Lord. But you know, you know, even dealing with those things, uh, even though that's the case sometimes, and, and actually if you listen to Tuesday's service, if you weren't here, Tuesday's service might help a little bit with understanding that, that kind of thing that, uh, and, and how that all works, but there's more to that, but uh, praise the Lord, you know, the only thing we ask is if, if somebody is, you know, you know obviously we're going to deal with stuff and we come together, but you know, if somebody is obviously contagious, don't be testing everybody else's faith by your lack of it, and, and by showing up to service, you know, uh, with, with uh, uh, you know, full-on flu or something like that. Uh, praise the Lord. I actually had to be out of the quarry pulpit last night because I was dealing with my own thing. I, I got two vaccinations this week, and I, I believe that I, I was supposed to get them, uh, but I got them uh, together, and by that evening, uh, for the next few days, I was wrecked, just absolutely wrecked and, um, with every symptom that you could possibly have, but I feel, I feel a million times better today, so praise the Lord for it. But, uh, um, yeah, we're just here uh, looking for... Uh, Looking to hear from the Lord today. Excited to be here. Excited to see you all here. I'm glad that you showed up. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, today's message, I actually had had uh, uh, some other, uh, other message prepared. And uh, then last night, God just started dealing with me on some other things. Uh, actually, yesterday, I didn't even know if I'd be able to preach today. And last night, the Lord started dealing with me some other things. So I figured, well, I probably... Uh, probably have something to, to minister. Amen. But, uh, you know, this message is, uh, it's something that I think about a lot. And it's actually in parts of it, you know, I'm going to touch on some things that I've touched on in different things, uh, different times and different messages. And I just hadn't had the release to kind of preach on those things. But I felt la last, last night I got that release. And so we're going to be talking a little bit about God's inheritance today. Um, you know, if you've heard me mention that, of course, we find that over in Ephesians uh, 1.18, and we'll, we'll go there. But, but um, we're going to be talking about some things, I think, that are some, so often that we forget. You know, when we come to the Lord, you know, we come to church for various reasons. And, and I think that most good-hearted Christians, you know, come for the same purpose, and that's to, you know, to hear from the Lord, to get direction from God, to connect with Him, and all that, that stuff is wonderful. That's what we should come for. You know, and a lot of times when you hear uh, messages preached, especially the ones that get shared on social media or whatever, their messages, they're really encouraging to us, right? They talk about issues in our life or the things that we're dealing with and, and, and how, you know, somehow how God overcomes these things for us. And, and while all that stuff is true, and I don't want to take that away from anyone, so don't think that I'm about to remove all the good things that God does for us. Um, you know, we, we have to realize that, you know, what God is and does in our lives isn't all about what he does for us. Uh, that there's this portion that, you know, uh, well, the Bible speaks about it this way. The Bible talks a lot about covenant. Has anyone ever heard that word covenant? If you've read your Bible, you have, praise the Lord. And if you've gotten married, you have. Or if you've known somebody that's gotten married, you probably have heard about it. And we know marriage is a, a, a covenant that God has given us on earth to resemble his covenant. It's a, a way that we, uh, he could help us understand his covenant with him. And so even if you don't have a marriage, you can understand what a good marriage should be. Um, you know, just actually we can just understand that in, uh, by, by basic human emotions, you know. Uh, if somebody does something to, to someone,
someone else in a marriage, you look at that and say, well, that's not right, you know. And, but but re, to remember that God has given us the marriage covenant as an example of our covenant and faithfulness to him and his faithfulness to us. And what do we know about covenant? One of the things we know about covenant, it's not a one-way street, is it? In covenant, uh, both parties get something out of it. And while a lot of times in churches we focus on what we get from God, and that's good, we get salvation, we get, you know, an escape from hell, those are the basic things, but uh, how many know that when, when you talk about the life of Jesus and you see all the healings and stuff like that, and we, you know, we talk about how that applies to us today, and we see that, you know, God can still be healer, is still healer, that God is uh, still a miracle worker, God still does miraculous things, and it's amazing, and, and stuff like that, you know, and that's still about what we get, and that's good, that's not, not stuff that we should throw away and and by this message you know uh by one message i'm not discounting all the other messages either right uh praise the lord but sometimes we need to hear the opposite side of things and i believe that that's one of the things that 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 we should do today so today's message is called what does he get amen hallelujah what does he get and he is uh not just capitalized because it's in a title that he is capitalized because we are talking about god amen so turn with me to Jeremiah 32. Praise Jesus. What does he get? Jeremiah 32, verse 38. It's a short verse. Probably will take you a lot longer to turn there than it would to read it. But I felt it was good that we go there. Um, you know, it's good to know where things are at in your, in your Bible. Jeremiah 32, verse 38 says, They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Now, you know, God, uh, God is a, a put-others-first kind of God. We love that about him. You know, he, he did that for us. That's what salvation all is, is all about. You know, God didn't need us to be saved, but he cared enough for us to be saved, and so he did. But, uh, and, and he does that in this scripture too. They will be my people. And a lot of times that's what we focus on. We see, well, God, you know, that's, and that's what we get excited about, that we will be God's people. Amen? Yeah. And that means something to us, right? Yeah. And I mean, the Bible says that he'll call us that we're in a people, a people. So he calls us to peoplehood, so to speak, you know. And the peoplehood isn't just that we get to be people, because we were people anyways. But more importantly, we get to be his people. And that's pretty amazing, you know. Um, my wife and I, and I know many people use this phrase, but we talk about each other as each other's person. She's my person, I'm her person, you know. And, and, and thus we're each other's people, right? And there's an ownership on that, you know? But we think about you all that way, too. You're our church, our church family, and you're not just our church family. You're not just people that show up on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday night or whenever else, but you're our people, amen? And there's, there's more of a claim on that. And of course, God said that, and that makes us special. That makes us feel special. And we were told, uh, I think in uh, one of the, 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 the epistles, we're told that, that we are a special people unto the Lord. And, and that's exciting to know that we are special unto the Lord, right? But he says something else in this scripture, the short, this very short verse, he says something else that's equally as important. And I think this is the thing that we don't as often think about. And he said, I will be their God. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And that also, um, you know, that also uh, means something the other way too, that, that, that he is our God, that he becomes something to us. You know, that he's not just a way into things. Because to be someone's God isn't a title that many people get, many things get. Actually, we know this, there's only one. And this is the one thing that God gets jealous about. He's a jealous God. You will have, I'll have no other God, you will have no other gods before you. What does he mean? You know, what does he mean by that? He means that, that you won't take upon you any other gods. I am your Lord. That's it. That's your choice. He doesn't give us a lot of other choices. In fact, we understand that the sin of idolatry is just that. It's making things God in our lives that isn't God, right? Some people can idolize a person, you know? We, we know that. We have shows out there. I don't know if they still have it, but like shows like American Idol, you know? And it, while, while it sounds exciting and important, we know this, that that's really not a good thing, is it? 
idolizing something, idolatry. And I'm not saying that the show is just evil just because it's called American Idol or, or, or whatever, or because it's singing or any of those. But that idea of idolizing anything, worshiping anything, you know, and we have a habit as humans, we have an, a habit of idolizing many things in our life. We can idolize a job. We can idolize money. Um, money can become our, our, our God, you know, um, our actions. Our actions really prove what our God is, our desires, our hearts. Amen? And so as we understand this, we need to understand that, that, that God has, you know, that, that there's a lot more to this God being our God than just, you know, this thing that we talk about once in a while, this one that we come to, that we pray to. But it's this idea of coming to him. You know, and thinking about this and uh, thinking about uh, healings and different things like that, you know, things that we're after, things that we need when we do go and pray. You know, often we seek the Lord for those things, but where humans fail is they don't seek God for God, they just seek God for things. And, you know, while God is still gracious to us, and there's a lot of times that in that he'll still grant these things to us, you know, many people really haven't stepped into this idea of making Jesus the Lord of their life and thus making God the Lord of their life. Can God really come to you and ask you to do anything for him? Can he ask you to give up anything for him? And will you do it? Can he, can, can he ask you to uh, come to him when he wants? You know, I, I shared that example of that guy who was watching football. And uh, as he was watching football, uh, I think I shared it on Tuesday maybe. It was the last eight minutes of the game. And it was a really intense game. They were doing some things they never did before. And in the last eight minutes that the Lord, um, you know, the Lord uh, spoke to this man's heart and said, I want you to come pray. And the, and the guy said, he's like, Lord, there's only eight minutes left in the game. And this is a really intense game. I really, you know, he's like, he was like, can it just wait? It's only eight minutes. And he said, I want you to come pray. And then he, he, he started making deals with the Lord, as, as we often do. And, and you know, maybe it hasn't been over football, but it's been over something. When God has asked you to do something, right, that you start making deals with God. Well, Lord, Lord, if you, if you just let me do what I want to do, like, or you just give me what I want you to give me, or, uh, in other words, uh, or allow me to have what I want to have just for these few moments I'll give you all night and the man said I'll give you all now pray, pray all night long and and he was the Lord was silent he just heard I, I want you to come pray and so he, he finally justified his actions he said I'll, I'll go to pray all night long as soon as the games ended and uh, it was only eight minutes after all and he took that eight minutes and and at the end of that eight minutes he started to pray he got down to pray and he said it was so dry that he could barely do it and he prayed and prayed and prayed, and it was just so dry. And he was, it was very evident to him that God didn't have any part of that. And then after a little while, the Lord spoke to him. He said, you chose football over me. Wow. It wasn't about the football game. It wasn't about football in general. And it wasn't about eight minutes. It was the Lord was testing his heart. Will you choose this over me? And now why we can look at that, and most of us can say, well, shame on that guy. Where in our lives are we doing the same thing? You know, God has called us to himself. And he's a jealous God. He's called us to him. And there's a lot that the Bible has to say about that, but so often we, 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 we look over it because we're looking for the blessing. We're looking for what God can do for us. And while it's true God will bless us, God will do things for us, and we should trust him for that. All those things are true, and we need to hear about those things. We also need to hear about these other things as well. Amen? I want to bring up a scripture that's real, real, real popular around these parts, one we've heard a lot. Uh, it's Hebrews 11.6. I'm not going to have you turn there, but I just want you to look at it. And it says, and Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, you know, I remember when I first uh, heard this verse being preached and how excited I got about it. And it, it is an exciting verse. I thought, man, God's a rewarder. And I never heard God from that point when I started hearing this verse. God is a rewarder. That's exciting that God's a rewarder, right? And, and, and when I see this verse, you know, over the years, every time I'd come to this verse or I'd think about this verse, I'd, ooh, I'd just get stirred up again. Man, God's a rewarder. This is what I needed to hear today. God's a rewarder. And, uh, you, you, you know, and, and, and uh, of course, we would hear different versions of this, you know. That, that idea of seeking him isn't just seeking him, but, but to diligently seek him, to seek him with fervent desire, to diligently seek after God. And, and yes, we can get online with that. I could, you, you know, if I want to get a reward, I can seek Seek God, can I? Can I can go to Him and really get into what what, what God, you know, what He wants to reward? And so I'm just going to seek Him for these things. But then, you know, it was last night. I was listening to my wife's message, 
And as I was listening to it, she went to the scripture and it wasn't, she wasn't preaching it wrong. I'm not saying that at all, not even remotely, but it was in that that the Lord started stirring this. So as I was listening to your message, I'm also typing up this message, amen, um, which is totally different than her message. But um, what God started uh, showing me in this verse is, was pointing to those who seek him. Those who seek him. It's not that those who seek him for something, but those who seek him. And I really believe that that's the heart of this, this, this scripture. It's not uh, that, that God's a rewarder of those who diligently seek them for the, him for something, but God's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. Amen? Can we see that there? Amen? And then this question came to me. It was, what, what does he reward with? With what is sought after. See, we're seeking God for so many things, right? We have trials, don't we? Is there anyone without trials? Is there anyone without opposition? Praise the Lord. We ain't going to find it. Listen, you don't even have to go to church to find somebody with trials, right? You just got to go outside. You got to look at another human. You just found somebody with trials, found someone with temptations, found somebody with opposition, something coming against them, something trying to wreck them. Amen. But, you know, the problem in so many of our lives is, isn't that we, you know, and there's nothing wrong, and let me start, you know, this off, there's nothing wrong with asking God for something, whether it's a, a want, whether it's a need, whether it's a desire, it doesn't matter. God, we, God wants us to seek him for those things, amen? But are those things our focus? And I think it's easy to become people that make things their focus. And it's not because we're just bad-hearted people. It's just that we're, we have so many needs. Dear Lord, Jesus looked at us and he said, they got so many needs, they can't even, they can't even fight themselves out of a wet paper bag. I got to go do something just to save their butts. You know? I mean, maybe he didn't say it just like that, but, but, but you know, he created our butts and he created a way to save them too. And so I'm okay with that, okay? I'm okay with using that in church. But, but the point being is that Jesus looked at us and he said, they, they, they are so hopeless. They are so without hope. They are so without help. Even like I, I've given them angels. I've given them prophets. Shoot, I've given them kings. I've given them leaders. I've given them all these things over the years that they need. I gave them a garden that was full of everything. I gave them an earth that had everything they needed. Praise the Lord. You know, everything that we have, everything that fixes us, everything that makes us better, even, even if it's chemically compounded, the chemicals had to come from somewhere, and that was right here on this planet. So everything that we have, God has given us the ability to obtain, to have, you know, there's so much gold in this earth that I have ima imagined that if we were able to access it all at once, that gold's value would severely, seriously drop, significantly drop. In fact, there was a, several years ago uh, when I was reading a news article and they were talking about this asteroid that was out in Earth, or outside of Earth, obviously, because it's an asteroid floating around out there in space. And it's so, it was a huge asteroid and it was full of gold. And, and somebody said it had so much gold on it that if they brought, they were able to bring that to earth, gold would instantly be completely valueless. It would have no value to it because there'd be so much of it. And you think about that, it's just out there. You know, just because we haven't obtained it. Or, 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 but it's just out there in God's world. And so that's the way so many things are, you know. And so we seek God after God for things, and, and that's good. That's right and good. Again, don't, if you walk away from this message and think, well, Pastor Jeff told me I shouldn't seek after God anymore. Well, you're just not hearing what I'm saying to you. I'm not saying that at all. God wants us to seek him. But in our seeking, do we seek him for him? I mean, when, you know, have you ever gotten to a place where you, you've sought something so hard because you either needed it, you wanted it, whatever, that you sought something so hard that you just got to the point where you're tired seeking it? Do you know what, you know what that is? I believe, and I mean, you could call me wrong if you want, but uh, I, I really believe that that's our moment of realization that we're just seeking too much the wrong thing. Wow. That now we need to shift that. Sure, we've asked for it. We've asked for it a million times. And we haven't received it a million times. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that God doesn't even have it for us. Maybe that's not the issue at all. Maybe the issue is just we've been seeking the wrong thing. And again, while it's not wrong to ask for something we need or we're after, do we seek God? In the end of this, what are we doing? Why do we come to church? Do we come here today for us? 
so we would feel better? Or do we come because we truly wanted to connect with him? When we gather as the body, it's not just coming to church when we gather as the body. If we, if we get together outside of here and we have a time together as the body, as, as believers or whatever, and we just are enjoying one another, have we come together as those who are seeking God or just seeking what we want? And see, it doesn't hurt us to ask these questions, does it? God rewards us with what is sought after. Um, in this text, in this context, and what's sought after is him. See, the promises here aren't, aren't wealth and riches. It's not health and, uh, health and, and feeling good. It's not uh, breakthrough in this or breakthrough in that. That The promise here is that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because when they realize that everything that we need is found in him. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, and this is why so many people that, that seek stuff, and I've seen this as a pastor in just 10 years, uh, the people that seek stuff, I see sometimes God blesses them with it. Oh, it's beautiful. I rejoice with them when they do. And I've also watched, I can't tell you how many people I've watched walk away from God because now they have what they needed. Yeah. Or what they needed, they got it, and then it didn't work out exactly the way that they wanted it to. And now they're like equally discouraged, and so they walk away from God. Amen. You know, and that's that's one of the that's one of the 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 the, the big things I think is is all too popular in in our circles. And, you know, I, I was watching this uh, video the other day, and it was, um, you know, this this uh, I, something about it drew me to it. And I was watching it, and there was you know this one point this couple it was this couple in this video. And I noticed in, uh, in the video, I noticed he had like a short sleeve shirt on or a sleeveless shirt on or something. And I noticed on his arm that he had this, this tattoo of, of, uh, of uh, what we would call Golgotha, where, where, where uh, Christ was crucified at the three crosses. You know, and that's not just a common, you know, people, many people that aren't Christians get just a cross tattooed on them uh, or wear crosses. You know, just because someone has a cross doesn't make them Christian. But this, this guy had this tattoo very specific to our faith, right? A very important moment in our faith. And so, I, so instantly when I see something like that, some hope rose up on the inside of me. And I thought, man, these people are Christians. And, you know, I have this reaction wherever I am. If I see something that leads to me to believe that someone might be a believer, a fellow believer, that excites me. You know, and sometimes they try to connect with them, like, hey, we're, you know, we're on the same team. You know what I mean? Like, I, I believe too, you know. We meet now, we might never see each other again till heaven, but we'll come, you know, and that's, that's cool, you know. And there's something about that that's awesome. You know, you hear somebody's speech and they hear them seeing just a certain thing, a certain way, or, you know, you see something in the background on a picture, right? Yeah. Right? Stuff like that happens, right? And, and, and you're like, oh, and you get a clue and you're like, oh, there's something there. There's something there, you know, and, and so you start going after it. So that's why I started thinking. So I, I watched some more of their, their videos, you know, and I was like, man, I, if, if they're Christian, they surely aren't acting like it. And I mean, very, very much not acting like it. And I was like, you know, and, I, and I'm not talking about somebody who's making mistakes. I don't judge people like that. But there's, there's a difference between, hey, I'm a Christian making some mistakes and I'm a Christian living for the devil. There's, and we have to get over the fact that there's a difference between those two things. Like, you can be a Christian that makes mistakes, and nobody, gonna, nobody around here anyways, at least we won't. Uh, if anybody else just tell us, we'll beat them up for you. But, you know, nobody's going to look down on you for making some mistakes. But there's a difference between making some mistakes and full-on living like, like you're the devil. You know what I mean? And, uh, and that's the way they were, you know? And I'm just like, oh, that's not very Christian. And I'm, I'm not judging their faith, but I'm just saying, oh, that just that makes me sad, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I think a lot of times people live in that world, and those are people that really don't have that, that idea of who God is. You know, they don't realize that God's a holy God. He's a just God. God doesn't look at your sin and say, okay, I'm okay with it now because Jesus' blood covers you. He's like, no, be holy for I am holy, you know. And so, so our, our goal should be holiness, right? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Turn with me to Ephesians 1. Let's get into the, the belly of this message here. Amen. God is good. Amen.
Praise God, hallelujah. Ephesians 1, verses 15 through 18. Now, these scriptures, when you read Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 is really hard to preach. It's really hard to, I think, to teach about on a one-off scripture. In other words, you know, there's a lot of scriptures that people go to, and I don't necessarily always believe that's good to just take one scripture out of context. Um, you know, it's good to know the context behind it. Um, and, and hopefully that at least the preacher knows what they're doing when they do that. But, you know, uh, Ephesians 1 and 2, these are like some very saturated scriptures, right? These aren't just scriptures where there's like, you know, like the one, they're my people, I'm their God. And I'm not making light of that scripture. Like there isn't a lot of, there's a lot of substance there, right? You know, we can chew on that for a long time, but it's not something we have to think about too much. It's something we can chew on but not necessarily have to think about. You know what I mean? But when you get to the Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and 2, you're looking at some scriptures that are really saturated. And these are things that you could almost stop. And I mean, each scripture could almost be four scriptures, right? And you could, you could almost stop at each one and just take some time with each one. Um, and I think that that's one of the problems that happens. And that's why most people, I think, miss exactly what, we're, what, what I'm teaching on today. Now, what I'm teaching on today is not something I came up with. This is something I found during study, but it's not something that I just created one day, said, hey, this is my idea and how things work, and that's it. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, uh, but in, through study, I, 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 I learned this. And so, but I was really, in, I mean, found it really interesting uh, when I did. So it starts here. It says, for this reason, I too, having heard of the faith, uh, of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints... Now, those are two very important things. The faith that we have in the Lord, amen, which is our trust in God, and uh, our love for all the saints. You know, when it talks about saints, you know, I know some people, you know, think about saints as being, you know, people that have been, can uh, not canonized, but people that have been, um, what's the word? Uh, I forget, the word slips me right now. But, you know, it's not just people that have done uh, posthumous, posthumous, is that right? Or post after their miracles after they're dead and stuff like that. But when the Bible speaks about saints, what it, the biblical definition of saints is just a believer. Yeah. It's a, uh, someone who's truly a believer that you're called a saint. In the, uh, that's, it's, it's God's holy ones, essentially, is what it is. And, uh, and so when it says your love for all the saints, what it's talking about is not, you know, those who had been, um, you know, those who have been venerated, I guess is the word I'm trying to look for, but those who have been, um, you know, those who are believers just like them. And so our love for all the saints is the love that we have back and forth, the love we have for one another, um, and true love. And we're going to actually see, I mean, this, 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 uh, the heart of what God does is based on our love for one another. Um, in fact, we can only show our love for God and our love for one another. I so said we can only show our love for God and our love for one another. That, that'll change the way that we're going to act at church, won't it? But even more so, it'll change the way we act in the world. Because if we realize that the way we love the world is the way we also love God, well, praise God. Amen. Amen. Uh, do not cease to give thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. I love that. I love that. You know, I've been thinking about this scripture a lot this week. I didn't even know. Uh, I didn't really even think about it as connected here. But uh, just that making mention of you in my prayer. You, you know, the thing about prayer is interesting. Brothers and sisters, prayer doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process. Prayer can be two seconds, that we have two seconds. Somebody comes to your heart, you pray for them two seconds. Maybe you don't even know what to pray. But prayer can also be spending hours praying for somebody, sure. Or hours praying for something. I'm not taking that away, but I'm just saying that prayer, I love this, he says, making mention of you in my prayers. If I make mention of you, that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm probably, uh, you know, writing a documentary, does it? It doesn't mean I'm writing your, uh, your biography. I'm not, I'm not telling everybody everything that's happened in your life. But if I, if, I, if I mention my wife in a conversation, I might just say my wife, right? Yeah. How about that? You have a heart towards God and you're just praying to God and you're like, Lord, and then somebody comes up before you. And yeah, Lord, I don't know why they came up before me, but I, I bring that person before you, Lord. If there's something they need, if there's something I can pray for, I'll certainly pray for it, you know. But make a mention. I just love that. I see that there and, well, that's free, no charge. Amen. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. 
So that's what we pr I pray for almost every service, every time I preach. I pray that people receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, right? Because that's important. And for you to have a personal uh, uh, moment of, of revelation, we, you know, when you're reading the scripture and all of a sudden the scripture comes alive to you and it, and it changes you, you know, on the inside, you're like you, and you don't even know, you can't even point to what, it cha what changed, but you know something changed. You ever have moments like that? If you haven't, then just open your Bible, read it once in a while, and you will. Because that's all it takes. You, haven't had, you don't have to have some special anointing, some special ability. You don't have to have some special degree. You don't have to understand the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic. You don't have to understand. Uh, you don't have to know every Bible commentary. In fact, you don't have to have one Bible commentary to have that happen. But if you seek the Lord truthfully from your heart, and you open the word and you read, God will start speaking to you. He will reveal things to you. And that's what we pray for people. That as I minister, as I say all the stupid things I say, right? As I say all the ridiculous things I bring up, all the ridiculous ideas that come to my head, as I give you something about Ned Nostril, maybe that will slip your mind, but immediately after, maybe I'll say something by the Spirit that will bless you, that will change you. That, 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 and not because I said it, you understand, but because the Spirit, by God's Spirit working on the inside of me, as He does on the inside of you, draws something out of me, that touches something on the inside of you. And that's the ministry of the word. And I'm just going to be here to tell you that it's not just me that this happens to, but it's you that this will happen to, too. Sometimes you'll be out in the world and you won't know why God, all of a sudden you got to talk to this person over here that you never wanted to talk to. But what it is is God's spirit on the inside of you working something out of you to give something to them, to connect with something on the inside of them, to bring something out of them, too. Amen? Praise the Lord. And this is, this is this wonderful process. Brothers and sisters, this is really what grace is all about. This is grace working in us to, 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 just, uh, to just expand and to help and to bless. And, and this is what our lives are meant to be. You know, uh, the, the, uh, the Lord told Abraham, he said, he's like, in, in you, all nations, in your seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. Well, then we, I think we talked about that on, on, on Tuesday, right? What was the seed? The seed was Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He opened the door for the Holy Spirit to come into all of us. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. God is good. Amen. And so when we understand that, when we understand that God is working in us, it really, you know, it really can open our eyes to even interactions that really don't seem that, that important. You thought you were just going through the line and paying for your food. You completely forgot that a second ago, for some reason, you had unction to go into that line. You see, people aren't looking for this kind of stuff in their day. They just thought, well, I chose. I chose. I went there. And a lot of times, maybe it was just you choosing. Maybe you completely ignored the unction. Maybe the unction was to go in that line, but there was one extra person in that line. And so you chose to go in the shorter line. Because God forbid your day be interrupted by God. But see, it's just like it's no different than the, than the man watching football and the Lord calling to him, saying to, to him, pray. Now, brothers and sisters, when, if you want the truth, I've been in this pickle a bazillion times this week. How many times God has spoken to me? Uh, you know, when I say speak to me, you understand. I don't have, I don't have this like, uh, direct line of communication between heaven and earth where, where God is just like picking up my phone. And, yeah, exactly. He's not, you know, it's not, a, oh, there's God calling again. Excuse me, guys, why I answer this. You know, it's not, not quite like that, right? But you learn how God speaks to you. God speaks to you how he said he would speak to you. Amen? And I believe that how he speaks to us is in the still, small voice, almost unrecognizable. Although if you spend some time with the Lord, you start learning how God speaks to you. And so it becomes more clear. And so you get in the habit of just saying, well, God told me this and God told me that, right? And some people think that's just completely weird. And that's okay, you know? But I've seen, I find it completely helpful. And so if it's completely weird to you, but it's been completely helpful to me, so just, you know, give me that at least in life, amen? <laughs> Let me be helped, amen? There ain't nothing wrong with being helped. In fact, we all, <laughs> praise the Lord, hallelujah. Well, anyways, let me, let me keep going here. Uh, he's giving you, uh, he may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. That's one thing. 
And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, if you're like me many times, I don't know if I heard it taught this way or this is the way I just believe, so I won't blame it on anyone else, just blame it on me. But many times as I read this, I just assumed that his inheritance meant his inheritance for me. I thought, well, that's certainly what he's talking about. I need to know what his inheritance for me is, right? Because after all, this is all written about me, right? Yeah. Right? Oh, it was all written about Kirk. <laughs> or Alyssa, right? No, it was Alyssa or Scott. It was, Scott. It was all, all, all about Scott. Yeah. No, you, you understand? Like, it, this isn't all about us, and we have to be okay with that. Now, this is written for us, no doubt. Every scripture is God-breathed, and it's all good for help. For, for a believer that will listen to it. God wants to help us through the word. God wants to help us. That's why he sent us Jesus. God wants to help us. That's why he created angels. God wants to help us. That's why he gave us a Bible. God wants to help us. That's why he put his Holy Spirit on the inside of us. I mean, what else does God have to do to teach us that he actually wants to help us? Right? What else does he have to do? He gives us churches and pastors and brothers and sisters. He gives us, uh, he gives us you know, if we don't have families, he gives us new families. And if, if we can't get any of those, he'll make families. I mean, he just, he does crazy things, right? And, and he just does this stuff. And he gives us uh, people that can prophesy. And then he gives us, uh, you know, people that shouldn't be able to prophesy, people that can prophesy. And then, and then even when people won't prophesy, he gives us donkeys to prophesy. And, and Jesus said, if they won't cry out, the rocks will cry out. So so even if the people won't do it, he'll make the, 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 the rocks do it. What else does God have to give us? What else does he have to do for us? For us to understand this stuff. But what's so important here is for us to understand there are riches of glory in his inheritance or of his inheritance. And that inheritance, again, is in the saints. Again, being you and I, believers. So his inheritance is in the saints. Now, unless you think I'm a liar, I'm going to share a few scriptures with you. Now, these are just a few of many, but these are kind of the, the top ones I picked that speak to this throughout the Bible, okay? Now, I'm going to give them to you in quick succession, so I'm going to ask you not to turn to them. Write them down. Look at them later. Or if you can't do that, text me later, and I'll send them to you. Amen. But, uh, uh, or better yet, go back on the archives and listen to it again, sure. uh, you, you know. So the first one, Deuteronomy 32.9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the allotment of his inheritance. And this is just a big fancy way of saying his people is in his inheritance. Psalm 78.62. He also delivered his people to the sword and was filled with wrath at his inheritance. Who was he mad at? His people, which are his inheritance. Amen? Psalm 94, 14. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he forsake his inheritance. So lest we think that his inheritance is not a biblical thing, here there's been three witnesses. Let me give you one more. Isaiah 19, 25. Whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Praise God. So we see this, this word is used, uh, you, you know, many times it's talking about God's inheritance. God's people are his inheritance. And that's how he looks at us. Now an inheritance, if you receive an inheritance, is there anyone here that's ever received an inheritance? Right? Praise the Lord. I have not received one, have I? Have I ever? I haven't received one. You got one coming? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, there, there was there wasn't a, was a lot of faith in that that one. I was, Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Not from here, but maybe if you look deep, you know. I'm just kidding. Actually, you know, a long time ago, the Lord taught me not to look for inheritance. Why? Because I was pretty sure I wasn't getting one. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, praise the Lord. And so, you know, some people, you know, uh, now you know what the Bible says, Mom. A good man leaves inheritance to his children's children, yeah. But you know what she's saying? She's like, well, that's okay. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. <laughs> right? So, 
Praise the Lord. So she, you know, hey, if you got to get out in technicality, get out in technicality, do what you got to do. I'm just kidding, of course. Um, I actually have got the most precious inheritance that I could possibly, and I got it early on. Um, because it was the love of my mom that actually led me, that, that, that kept me um, through all the years, through all the hardest times, the things that I went through, I would not be sitting here today if it wasn't for the love that that woman poured into my life. And so you talk about inheritance, and I can tell you quite honestly, I'm pretty sure I'm not getting anything that's going to be life-changing in the sense of like all of a sudden we get to retire, right? But, uh, but uh, that I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Um, completely embrace that because it was that love that because really what it was and, and I don't even know if she knew it was this but my, my the Lord uh, gifted my mother with a very special ability to love and uh, you know and, and my aunt has it as well um, you know and, and as I was being raised you know, uh, we are very close with my, my Aunt Jean here. Um, she was like a second mother to me, you know. Um, of course, nobody would replace your mother, but she was like that to me, you know, and, um, and, and they both exemplified that. And so um, that was always uh, um, anyone who knew them, you know, very much that. So, you know, I take that moment of joking, but, but also to expand it and let you know that that's, you know, truly it was those, t those types of things that the Lord used to constantly draw, draw me to him. Amen. Praise the Lord. But, but so an inheritance can look like a lot of different things at any rate. But, um, but, but when you receive an inheritance, it's yours, isn't it? Is, is there any doubt when you re received an inheritance, if you go to the, the court, in fact, I was asked by a family member to be uh, a, an executor of the will, right? Now, I don't expect that they'll pass for many years, but I was asked to be an executor of the will. And I had to look into what that was. And, and, and part of that is to, you know, to, to, to make sure that the inheritance goes where it goes, right? Am I right in saying that? And, and so at least I, I got that much figured out. And so, um, you know, and so uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you get it, but it ensures that you will. And so when it's legally handed out and it's given to where it goes, that's where it belongs. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's why everybody's trying to prove that they're Elvis's kid, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, oh, I was, you know, I'm one of Michael Jackson's kids or something like that because I want part of that inheritance, you know? And, and so that's why stuff come, people come out of the woodwork and stuff like that. But, but, you know, God's people are his inheritance, and that means something to him. You know, um, of course, we have plenty of examples in life how an inheritance um, is, is used wrongfully, right? Sure. You know, I mean, we have the, 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 prodigal, <laughs> the prodigal son, yeah. which wrongfully used his inheritance beforehand, right? Father still loved him, and that was wonderful. But we have an example of that, don't we? We see that in Scripture, but we, many of us have seen that in, in, in lives of people. Um, you know, uh, you, you know uh, but, but we know that an inheritance is good if one uses it right, like anything. But God's inheritance means something to him. You, you know, his inheritance is much more than just, um, it's much more than just being his people. Yeah. But it's what his people do. Yeah. It's who his people are. It's what his people become. That's his inheritance. So when it says there in, in Ephesians 1.18, it says, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? See, there is a richness. There is a, a true wealth in the glory of his inheritance. Now think about that. Break that down. There's so often where God talks about our glory in the New Testament. Where he talks about the glory of his people. You know, uh, glory is used in conjunction with his people. Now, now we're told that, that God puts his glory upon us, that the glory isn't something that we should seek after, but, but God's glory is something that comes to us. We know that we will be glorified one day with Jesus, right? What does that mean? It means that we come into his presence, that we're, we're his people, and the body has been made whole. And that's why God didn't just leave us as being people off to the side, but we are his body. You understand? We're not just people that are saved, right? Amen? Hallelujah? We're not just people that made it. Oh, we got out of hell. Well, praise the Lord. And see, this knowledge of what I'm saying right now will change your heart if your heart is truly towards God. You're not just people that, that have been rescued. You have, you're people that were not a people that have been not made just people, but you've been made his people. Yeah. So much that you're not just people, you're his body. Israel was not God's body. 
they were his people. We are God's people, but we are also his body. That's the choice that he made. That's what Jesus paid for. Right? So what happens when his body doesn't look very good? What happens when his body doesn't look taken care of? When his, you know, when his body looks all disheveled and, and out of sorts or riddled with, with disease or whatever, you know, all these things, it doesn't look really good, does it? See, we are God's inheritance. And the fact that we are God's inheritance should mean something to us if we've been born again. If we've been born again, the thing that we have to realize is it's not just about getting saved. Getting saved is great. Thank you, Lord. Oh, my gosh. I could spend, I mean, I could spend years talking about how wonderful being saved is, and I have. Being saved is a wonderful thing, but being more than just saved. We're more than just saved. And too many Christians lived in just saved. They live in, you, you know, and I'm not, brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about the works that we have to do. I'm not talking about the things that we have to obtain. I'm not, I'm not talking about all that. But I'm talking about the realization first and foremost in our minds that we don't belong to us. We are his inheritance. Man, oh man. What would happen to you if you had a, you know, uh, say a family member come to you that really loved you and said to you, you know, I, I, I've been saving this money all my life. And, you know, in my, the heart behind it for the last however many years you've been alive is that it would go to you upon my passing. Right? That's, that, that's my heart behind it, is that it would go to you and that you, would be, uh, that you would be blessed upon my passing. You know, that would probably mean something to you. Or, or maybe not even money, maybe it was something, you know, maybe, you know, grandma had a scarf or something and she was like, this, you know, it would mean everything to me, <coughs> excuse me, it would mean everything to me that this went to you when I pass. And then you get to that place where, where grandma's passed and those words come back to you and you find out, well, you know, somebody over here, just because they were careless, you know, they spent that money because they didn't care. They just, they just wasted it. You know, and th this happens a lot, right? We know this. But it's a bad feeling. A lot of people would point to that and say, that's wrong. Actually, somebody, if, if things were set up right, somebody could actually probably sue in court and win over something like that. But even more so, what about when something means something? What if it was, you know, something that, that, that was passed down generation, generation, and, and grandmother said, this really belongs to you. You particular, not the other grandkids, but this one belongs to you. And you got that, or you got to the place where you were to receive that, and someone said, oh, well, somebody just threw that out because they didn't really think it was that important. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, would, that would hurt. That would mean something. Now think about that much more so for God's inheritance. God, you, we're God's inheritance. We're God's people. We belong to him. What does he get out of this? You know, God, the Bible talks a lot about covenant. Again, I bring that up. The covenant is between two entities, right? It's two entities deciding something, and it's a binding contract, so to speak. It's covenant. God has entered covenant with us through the blood of Jesus. Us accepting Jesus, as we often say, is receiving, is, is agreeing to our part of that covenant. But the way so many people live is, I will agree to my part of the covenant to get my part, but then when it comes time to cash in for me, not for me, but him from me, well, God, you see, I spent it on something else. I've given it to someone else. See, you understand that God's covenant means something. His inheritance means something to him. And what so many people are doing, so many Christians are doing, they're pilfering it like the prodigal son. And why do you think that Jesus had that parable? Because how many of his people will come back to him in that day, that day of reckoning, that day we stand before him, and he says, yes, you can come in because I love you and because I provided for you but you spent the inheritance. You wasted and pilfered the inheritance. So why do you think he gave us that? He gave us that because there was a lot more going on behind the picture as was with everything that Jesus said, everything he taught. Jesus didn't just randomly do things. Jesus did things according to purpose and purpose most often spelled out already in scriptures. 
And so we understand we are God's inheritance. We don't belong, or we, he, we belong to him. Now, I want to, kind of where we're going to head this all up is in John 15. Praise the Lord. John 15, verses 5 through 17. It says, I am, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. <coughs> For apart from me, <clears throat> you can do nothing. That's why so many Christians' lives, even though they're, I'm not calling them bad people, but they're just fruitless because they're trying to do things apart from him. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that's a pretty amazing promise. One that a lot of people try to uh, partake of. Well, I can be honest with you, most of the people, and I've included myself in this over the years, that I tried to partake of this, and I've been doing so for my own personal gain, not, not for the reasons why this was set forth, which is exactly why most people don't have whatever they wish, because whatever they wish was just meant to be pilfered. They, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't thinking about the inheritance. They weren't thinking about God's inheritance when they were spending it. They were thinking about what they can get for it. Do you know what I mean? How many times has God blessed us and the first thing we do is just go party? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like whatever it is. I remember one day, and the Lord really brought this to me. I, I, had, I had been seeking the Lord. I wanted some money to give into an offering that I didn't have. This was before, long before I was a pastor. And we didn't have much money coming in. I didn't have much money, you know, and I was just, I was like, Lord, I'll put it before you. It's in my heart. I want to give this, you know, or whatever. A bunch of time went by. When I say a bunch of time, weeks, a month, month or, month or two, I don't know. But then all of a sudden one day I was at uh, this, this big get-together, this big shindig. I was blessed to be able to go. It was a free clam bake. It was free for me. And what that was is I had as many free clams as I want, which was good if you like clams. Not so much if you don't. But I did, so it was good for me. And I was there, and I got there free. And so I was there just experiencing this day of gorging myself with all the free uh, shellfish that I could eat. And, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, a church friend of mine was there also. And, and uh, we were just like, we were just hanging out together, you know. I think he had gotten a free ticket too, so he was blessed as well. And we were just hanging out there together and just talking. And he, and he, and he gave me something. I can't remember if it was in an envelope or whatever it was. He was like, this is just on my heart to give you. I had never said anything to him about it. I'd never, I, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't giving him the faith hint. You know what I mean? <laughs> faith hints. You know, I've been, I've been believing God for dot, dot, dot. I've been really asking the Lord for this, this, and this. You know, you tell, but you only tell the one that you think that can give it to you. Yeah, that's a faith hint, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, uh, you, you know, so, uh, so you know, I, I, I hadn't been telling him any of that. And, and I, I, I got it, and, and I opened it, and my gosh, there was like, I think at the time there was like 100 it was like 100 or $150 in there. And I'm telling you, at the time, my wife and I, we had nothing. We were dirt poor. Um, you know, we, 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 it was all we could do just to, we were on a super tight budget. We had no extra. We had no, you know, we didn't have any kind of, uh, you know, uh, or the, the, the devices, the smartphones or anything like that. We had the basic. Back then, you could still do basic. Um, you know, I had to, I did have an iPad, iPod that somebody had given me, um, but I could only connect via somebody else's hotspot kind of thing. Um, I think it was at that same dinner that I learned about hotspots and stuff like that. So it was pretty exciting. But, uh, uh, but you know, I, 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 we didn't have much of anything. But I got this and I got really excited because now I've got been given like money and I didn't have money. And so instantly I start thinking about like, Lord, what, or I start thinking, like, what, what can I spend this money on, right? Isn't that what we do? Yep. Right? You didn't have, now you have, and so now you think, what can I do? And then I remember the Lord stopping me. It's like, haven't you been asking me for money for, and I don't even remember what it was now. Haven't you been asking me for money for this, dot, dot, dot? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you see, it was a period of time, right? And so much so that I kind of forgot that I had been asking for it. 
but God is faithful to his promises. And he delivered it. Now, see, I could have gone and spent that on whatever, but in doing so, I would have been doing exactly what, was, what most Christians do. And honestly, what I did all the time. And so ever since that day, I've tried to be more mindful of that. If we get something, Lord, what's this for? You know, like if, if Lord, if, the, if we get blessed with something, Lord, what do you have this for? Like, I'm not joking by that. Like, we have our basic budget, and we, we do our life and stuff like that by our budget, and now we pay our bills, and that's wonderful, you know, and, and uh, take care of all that stuff. And, but but if, if something more comes in, Father, what do you have this for? And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I got, I got um, typically, like, in my, like, if my mom asked me, you know, for example, what do you want for your birthday or Christmas or something like that, I'm just like, money is all. Because I can do something with money, you know what I mean? I get stuff or whatever. I can buy stuff if I want, but if I have money, it's more versatile. So that's why I like it. You know, I got some money for my birthday a little bit. And uh, we got, I got most of that still waiting. And then just recently, it was like, you know, I, I wanted to get that, a nice new Bible. And I just had this money. I didn't know I was going to want this nice new Bible. It's not this one. It's the other one I got. I'm going to go, you know, use them both or whatever. But, but I wanted this one specific kind, you know, and it was expensive. And I'm sure I could have had the church just buy it for me. But I was like, no, I wanted to invest in it myself. Yeah. And here I had the money sitting there to do it. But see, that money is just sitting there waiting. Why? Because, because, I, 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 had, uh, because I, I learned that you just don't consume everything that you get, yeah. right? And I don't know who this is for, but I'm sure it's helping somebody. You know, so often we live in life just, just like without thinking that we are an inheritance to someone else. Yeah. And so if we just consume our lives, right? If we just, if we just live our lives, think about what I'm saying. This could be in, in something as simple as, as, as money that you receive, money that you have. Or this can be something in, as simple as what do you do every single day? As you're walking out your life, what are the choices that you make? What are the, the person that you, you, you choose that you, you, you're going to, I want to marry this person. Did you consider whether or not that they would thrust your relationship with the Lord ahead or would they hold it back? See, that should be the first consideration. But people don't consider that. And that's why over 50% of marriages end in divorce. Because nobody's, people are just getting married because they like the way somebody looks. Well, that's easy to do. I mean, you can surely find, in any group you're in, you can surely find somebody that you can be attracted to, right? But that doesn't mean that everybody's for you. This is one of the problems with marriage is staying. This is something that I learned as a young man. Just because I'm attracted to somebody doesn't mean I, I, I want to be with them or I should want to, right? This has helped keep a real faithful relationship between my wife and I. Because I can see somebody else who's attractive, but they're not my wife. And so I don't want that. Amen? And she better feel the same way, doggone it. Because if she doesn't, then I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to be in jail. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. But she does. Amen. Oh, praise. Yeah, we're blessed. You, you are too. We got a minute left and I haven't finished yet. <laughs> praise the Lord. But uh, well, I don't know how I got on, but we believe that it's good. <laughs> It's good to help us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. My Father is glorified by this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was asking because I wanted it. I was asking because I needed it. I was asking because I thought it was a good idea. And you're telling me, Jesus, that God is glorified when I get what I asked for? How is that possible? See, he's not talking to everybody. He's not talking to the Christian who just wants to build more of their life. He's talking about the one who's abiding in Jesus. The one who, listen, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make it real easy. If you abide in Jesus, what Jesus said is going to matter to you. What the Bible says is going to, see, all the debates on what's right and wrong get settled in this. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what God said. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what God said. It doesn't matter what others think or others feel. It doesn't matter what kind of doctrines people can come. The only thing that matters is what does God say. 
Because when you know what God says, then you can throw out what you say, because what you say just doesn't matter that much when it comes to what God says. And if you don't believe me, when you stand before him, surely you will find out that exactly what I'm saying is true. Because when you stand before him, God isn't going to say, well, let me tell me how do you feel about this. He ain't going to ask you how well you did with your feelings. He ain't going to ask you how well you did with your thoughts. He's going to ask you how well you did with his words. How well did you did? Uh, how well did you did? You see, now we're getting real good on you real now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe that's my cue to stop. Uh, praise the Lord. I have to finish this, though. This is important. Um, my Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You see all the makings of everything in verse 7. You can see all that right here. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. He's building on this. How do we do the thing? By doing the next thing. If you keep, keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. See, so he said, abide in my love. This is what you do. You want to abide in me? Abide in the Father? You abide in my love. How do you abide in my love? You keep my commandments. You will abide in my love. Just as I have, I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that you may have joy, that, that, so that my joy may be in you and that uh, your joy may be made full. See, we can pull this out of context and just make it all about you. God, yes, God wants your joy full. But God's joy your joy being full in God's eyes comes through a process. And that process started, you know, a few scriptures back, right? This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? This is, this is going to rob you from all of you right now. Jesus loved by laying down his life for each one of us. And he says, you love one another just as I have loved you. Great, of course, it says this, greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. See, it keeps coming back to the same thing, doesn't it? The same circle. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Wow. God is revealing the heart of the Father to us, and he's revealing the heart of the Father in hopes that we take his heart upon us and say, no, this matters to me. This is what it means to be his inheritance. God, what you said matters to me. What you say, why do my wife and I constantly seek the truth? Why do sometimes, you know, like, why does it seem like some of the things, maybe even now that we preach are a little bit different than some of the things we preached before? Because as we go, we find out more truth. And as we find out more truth, our goal is to, is to correct that. And if anybody would ask us on anything, of course, we just want to be more in the truth. And if anybody has said that they arrived and they know all the truth, that's your first sign that they're lying. They don't know what they're talking about. Because anyone preaches from the point of knowing absolute truth, they've already, uh, they've already disqualified them. They've said they've arrived. The Apostle Paul, who was used to write scripture, said he didn't arrive yet. So if he did, certainly some yokel in 2023 isn't going to be able to sit there and claim that, right? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give, uh, give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. And isn't that awesome? That's, that's, how he, that's how he wraps it all up. It brings it right back. You see, he goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, we are God's inheritance. We belong to him. Amen? Amen? I want to close with Matthew uh, uh, 5, 6. It was easy. I, I forgot it for a second and it came up. <laughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Again, another scripture a lot of times we like to use for how God wants to pour out in our life because we, we hunger and thirst for righteousness, which must be God. I probably preached it this way, and if I did, I repent right before you now. That we hunger and thirst for righteousness, which is God, so now I can be satisfied with all other things in my life. That's not what this means. Righteous, our righteousness. Are you ready? Our righteousness is the only thing that connects us to God. 
Our righteousness is not by our own doing. Our righteousness is by Jesus' doing. Amen? Our righteousness is found in him. But our righteousness is what connected us to God because it was our unrighteousness that separated us from him. And so what will they be satisfied with? The righteous is our connection to God. Righteousness is our connection to God. And so those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied with, with him. That connection to God will be satisfied in that connection to God. Now, real quick, can you find all things in your life in that area? Sure. The things that you need in life, why do we go to God and pray? Because we understand this connection, yeah. right? This is why we know our prayers can be answered and will be answered. This is why we know we can put it all in his basket. This is why we know we can trust him, right? For they shall be satisfied. We're satisfied not by our own doing, but by what he, do, uh, by what he did, amen? Praise the Lord. But remembering that our righteousness is what connects us to him, period. That's what it is. And our righteousness is not of our own. It's what was done for us. And that's why we are his inheritance as well. Praise the Lord. I hope that made it a little more clear for you. And if not, well, I'll try again some other time. Amen.